it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. Alrighty, friends, welcome back to another agriculture conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. And uh, our conversation today is coming from the Montana Stock Roads Association mid-year event in Sydney, Montana. And folks have come from across the state of Montana and region just to, to attend this meeting and and talk about the issues and let let their opinions be known. That's that's for sure here this week. <laughs> uh, referencing a little bit of our general session, we had a, uh, that that was enjoyable. But uh, hey, we actually have two guests that we've had on in the past. We have uh, uh, Jared Clark with Sylvius Insurance, and also very popular podcast that we did a few months back. It was, uh, why did the cattleman buy his grain growers membership? That's right. Mr. Turk Stovall joins us again. Turk, that was a very popular podcast, by the way. You should feel pretty proud about that. Well, thank you. <laughs> but we find ourselves here uh, up in Sydney, Montana, and, and us, I flew in on the little puddle jumper plane. You, you flew in on Cape Air as I well, did. didn't you? Yes. Because, I mean, it cuts off, what, four hours of driving almost? Lots of driving. So I jumped on that. Uh, Was this your first time on Cape Air? Uh, It was not, actually, but um, it was a good experience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me. Did did you make sure that uh, you knew where the exits were and that your belt buckle was tightened up? We did. It was very thorough uh, (laughs) before we took off. So for our listeners unfamiliar with this regional jet service, it has, I think, 10 seats. And one of those seats can be next to the pilot. Uh, they're little uh, Cessna planes and uh, they're regional uh, air service planes. And, yeah, it cut the travel time. Did you have to stop in Glendive as well? Oh, we did. Yeah. It was a little rough. See, it was it was good till we had to land in Glendive. And then the pilot goes, okay, guys, well, there's two of us left on the plane. He goes, well, uh, it's going to get bumpy because I can't get up very high right now because it's going to be a 15-minute flight. And... Uh, I'm pretty good on planes. I, I held my cookies in, but I was it took it out of me, that little bit of that flight. So this is the Lancast Egg Podcast. You don't know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also we got uh, Jared Clark with us, uh, our friends at Sylvius, a great uh, uh, sponsor of our podcast, and, of course, a great partner with so many producers out in the countryside, just like uh, Turk. They, they partner up with him and help, uh, help him ran his, manage risk on their operations. But, of course, uh, Jared Clark and his cousin Gordon are up here at the Stock Growers event, great so- supporters of the Montana Stock Growers. But, uh, Jared, uh, how is the, the ranching and farming going down there in, in Texas? Uh, it's, uh, it's going. I uh, don't know how well. Um, <laughs> kind of like our LRP comments earlier. Uh, man, we've just been really dry. Um, a lot of cotton being planted. Uh, we've seen some rains come across the area. Um, but man, it's uh, dryland cotton does not look very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the corn struggling. Um, what wheat is there? Uh, you can find some good irrigated wheat, but not much. Yeah. And then the grass is just awful. Yeah, and that's I what, mean, just awful. I, I was going to ask you, especially about that wheat. Uh, we we saw the Kansas wheat tour. They do their winter wheat tour that really goes through and. Uh, uh, gives a preview on what that wheat condition is going to be throughout the year. Um, and they said Texas was a- anticipating high abandonment. Are, are we going to be seeing a lot of that? Or are they trying to plant? Can they get another crop? Again, I'm not too familiar with the growing conditions. What's that going to be like? Can they get a, a different crop planted here late in the season? Yeah, they could. Um, you know, just depending on where they're at, they could probably go to a corn or a cotton, mm-hmm. depending on the irrigation. Um, but, uh, 
we'll see. I mean, it's still going to be tough. Water's going to be stretched this year yep. on the irrigated. Well, again, it's uh, it was great to see. It was green as we flew in. Uh, when I flew in from uh, just south of Alzada, from in Buenos Aires, I think everyone's tired of me telling that joke. I was in Buenos Aires all last week, just south of Alzada, Montana. Just to see all the water running from that big storm that just went through Billings and just see that green, because that's something we haven't seen for, for quite some time. But even with that, the risk out here is so relevant when it comes to drought and that lack of precipitation. And uh, Jared, we've talked about pasture, rangeland, and forage insurance. Well, let's do a brief overview of that, but we're going to dive into actual analytics of one of Turk's policies and really just to see how it works. But let's do a let's do a quick overview. Yeah, so uh, PRF, uh, Pasture Rangeland and Forage, is a uh, government subsidized insurance policy and uh, what's neat about it is uh, you can split the year into two-month intervals and you can insure these intervals against just average rainfall short version select your time periods for rain if it rains less than normal you start to get a payment um, so a very flexible uh, product uh, that can help you cover your specific risks <laughs> So obviously, uh, your goal is to just work with fellow producers out, out in the countryside. And I mean, we're all busy. And especially in the livestock business, we're kind of skeptical about things that we don't understand. Uh, Turk, obviously, you were introduced uh, to, to, to Jared and Gordon uh, through an event like Stock Growers and saw, saw, their, saw their booth and uh, probably put your name in for one of their cooler drawings. Uh, uh, now getting to work with them, I guess, what, what is your impression of actually knowing that these guys are ranchers but truly understand the product that they are supplying producers? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it, we're, you know, in our family operation, I think we've kind of gone through a little bit of an evolution with our insurance and how we just look at our insurance expense and are we happy with that of what we get out of it? And, um, you know, over the last two or three years, you know, our family, our neighbors, and, and many Montanans in this region have had a pretty darn tough go at it. And uh, if it was grasshoppers, it was just no rain. And, you know, we, uh, let's see, it would have been two years ago, we, uh, we had a production loss and we had um, production insurance. And, um, and that's where, when we were getting our payments back, we're just kind of evaluating on that. Just like, Hey, are we happy with that? And is that, is that really helping us fix the problem? Can we go out and either buy more hay or, or, uh, is there, is it helping with the solution? And then, you know, be honest with you in, uh, um, the end of, um, one year, we were just like, we are just not satisfied with our production insurance. And, we, and we're like, in our conversations where we should put these premiums in the bank and we'd be better managers at that money. And, um, and then I remember, um, you know, I, I met Jared and Gordon at uh, a stock growers event. And, um, and that's how we got acquainted and, and, uh, and kept in connection and uh and we just started having that discussion again and and so we uh we really liked uh what jared and gordon would sit down with you and, and it's really um data-based um and they're really going off factual numbers and with their 
you know, insurance policies, you can see where you can really get some wins. And, um, you know, we're, we're just in our first stages of it. And, um, you know, as we look at it, I can really see this being really viable because number one, um, you could almost argue it's almost a self-financed insurance policy. And so as your policy's paying you back, it's paying your premium. And then if you are in a, a dry year, you're already starting to get some of those uh, dollars back, which is important because, you know, we need it. You know, we can start seeing, hey, you know what, we're going to have a bad year. And it's nice to have those dollars um, earlier than waiting towards the end of the policy so you can start taking action. And, uh, you know, the other thing I really like about it is, is, you know, I really feel like we're dealing with really informed people. And, uh, and we're really working with really state-of-the-art type of software. Um, they're going back and really looking at, hey, what worked, in the, what worked in the past and over many years of historical data for our region. You know, what works best for us for where we actually live. And we're data-focused, and, uh, and it really seems to be a really great fit for us. So let's talk about that data, the analytics, the technology, and the coding behind that, Jared. What, what, what makes this uh, uh, unique? Because obviously you can go get this policy from so many different insurance providers out there. What's really setting this apart for you, you and Silvius and providing uh, the data, showing producers like Turk what those uh, projections could be, and then obviously we'll dive into what those numbers are looking like as we make our way through 2020. 22 as well. Yeah, I think as, as we look at data, um, the world is so data driven, but if you don't really have a meaning and what does that data do for you, it's just more data. And so what we've really tried to do in focusing our data is, is what does it mean for the policy? What is the policy really insuring against? Um, if you look at times uh, such as like January, February, uh, we just looked at a grid for another gentleman earlier, and average rainfall was six-tenths of an inch. And we sit here and we look at it and then we go, well, we're dry during January, February. That is correct. You've always been dry. Yeah. And so on average, um, you know, how, how do I insure against that? And some of that's just knowing the reality of letting data show you the reality of what you are insuring against. You're not insuring against four inches of rain. You're insuring against seven-tenths. Um, the next part is uh, just really understanding what risk is. Um, we look at months such as that January, February interval, and you look at it and you go, man, that interval through data has not paid over the last 10 years. Well, do you really have a risk there? We could go into even like a more critical growing season month and look at maybe June, July. Has June, July paid over the last 15 years? No. So do you have a risk there? Maybe not. I mean, so really understanding what your risk is as well as what risk does the policy show that you have is just a big piece in understanding and being able to choose intervals that cover what you really think your risk is. And obviously, it takes uh, investment from the policy uh, holder to, to, to jump into this. Um, Turk, what were, again, you shared your frustrations with other policies, but what were some of your, maybe some of your uh, concerns that you thought of first off when you looked at Pastor Rangeland Forge Insurance, but talking with guys like Jared really put that at ease, being able to see those numbers? Yeah, I think the first was is it, 
you know, it still takes a little bit of time to be comfortable with it. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this, and, you know, it's, it's uh, I know a lot more today than on day one, and that is completely due to, you know, Jared and Gordon are really good communicators, and they're, they really are there to help you learn and, and help you make good decisions. And so, I mean, you can for sure tell when you start sitting down with somebody, are they really here just to sell you something? Or are they really here to truly try to help you make the best decision um, for your outfit? And they also mm-hmm. always have cotton gloves at their table. And they also have cotton gloves. Yes, See, right. I'm a sucker. <laughs> they, I mean, they don't have to be a good salesman, but when they got cotton gloves there, I'm a sucker for cotton gloves. Every coat I own has cotton gloves. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I see you have the, the actual numbers pulled up for – so far this year, uh, Jared, I'll, I'll just turn this aspect of this over to you. Walk through those, share what you guys feel is comfortable. I mean, I don't want you putting out information you don't want out there, but uh, really paint a picture for our listeners about how this risk management tool is utilized to help during those tough times when you need to get more, more pasture, which there's no pasture really available in Montana, or get more hay or straw, whatever that may be, to, to help keep that, that, the, the years of genetic selection together. Jared, I'll just let you uh, maybe walk us through that visually through our ears. <laughs> yeah, I will do my best trying to make words visual. But, um, you know, for those of you that are listening, just imagine the year and two-month intervals, uh, January, February, February, March, all the way through November, December. So you'll wind up with 11 buckets um, that you can end up putting coverage in. Um, you know, as, as we walked through this, we obviously really leaned into data as well as just um, looking at risk as cattle producers. Um, if data tells you to put all your, all your coverage in January, February, and November, December, and it does not rain March through July, you're probably still out of cattle, and who knows if the policy really helped you. So we do still have to put on, um, you know, the glasses of a producer. And so when we looked at this policy, um, you know, we really leaned coverage in starting, you know, February, March, um, and put a lot of our coverage February, March, April, May, June, July. Um, But we even started putting coverage out towards the end of the year, Um, you know, September, October, November, December. Uh, A lot of our reasons for doing that is we know how droughts are. Um, we get rain through the spring and the summer, and then what do we do? We change patterns as we go into the winter. And so as data does this, it, it really allows us to ensure against droughts or, or just short periods of rain as they come towards the end of the year, um, as well as that's why we like coverage in up at the first of the year. If we're currently in a dry period like we were um, last year, we can start to insure against that a little bit sooner than waiting till the summer. Um, but in this policy, you know, we put a lot of coverage up front um, just for some numbers, uh, you know, in Bighorn County as well as Yellowstone. These are fairly general, but a lot of the county, a lot of these grids, January, February came out at about 40% of normal. I mean, just awful. Um, and then we, we ran into February, March uh, with a good DABA coverage. And so February, March came in at 20 to 30% of normal. So, I mean, just out of average rainfall, you har- hardly get in a shower. Um, and what that ended up doing is the amount of coverage that was put there ended up paying about, 
about 70% of the amount of coverage put in those intervals, it ended up paying back to the producer, um, which is just really helpful. Um, we then hop into the next interval, which was April, May, and, um, and just thank goodness, we all started to get some rainfall. And so through that rainfall, um, the policy won't pay much, but the grass that's greening up and hopefully that will continue to grow will be much more than the amount of coverage in that interval. Yep. Um, and now we're still sitting here, even though we're in May, uh, the April-May interval and starting the June intervals, uh, we still got 60 to 70% of our coverage left. And um, the policy, I'd say, has done a good job. Um, I never can say it's done a great job because <laughs> I always think you can do better. But I think the policy's done a good job providing some risk management, providing protection, and allowing a chance for um, you know, for Turk to get to a rain. And I think we, we're there so far. And that's what I want to point out. This isn't just, this is going to fix everything. It's always taking some to hopefully get some over here as well. So, Turk, what was, what's your initial reaction now being able to, to see that this has the initially paid for itself up to this point? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, Turk? it has paid for the premium for the most part. Well, I, so, so what's your reaction actually finally seeing these numbers carried out for those for the time periods in which you chose uh, to to put those uh, policies in place yeah i mean we're real pleased i mean it's uh you know actually uh to be honest with you lane i'd rather pay the whole premium because that means it really rained <laughs> but you know we just that's just not reality all the time and so but you know you know we live in such a risky business and um and I can really see this as a tool for us to really try to mitigate some of those risks. And uh, um, like already, I can see that, okay, our premium's paid, and it looks like we are already going to get a uh, um, insurance check back already. And here we still have a bunch of our policy left. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just for good money management, I mean, I feel like I'm managing my uh, insurance premium much more effectively than um, than what I've been doing in the past. And that's why I started out this whole thing and why we were frustrated. You know, we it still comes down to managing your money and your, we, hey, we write these checks to these insurance companies. And, you know, sometimes the best thing they can just tell you is, well, just so you know, you were insured that whole time. But your premiums do. Yeah. And you might still be in a drought. And so, you know, that just gets frustrating. And I, and I know it's, nothing's perfect, but this sure seems to be a pretty effective tool. So, so Jared, what, what are some of the key things that you share with producers that are walking up to your booth or giving you a call or contacting you online? Uh, what are some of those key questions that they ask right out of the gate? Uh, man, that's a good question. Sometimes it's not questions. Sometimes it's more concerns. This is just a rolling of the dice. Aren't we just rolling the dice on if it's going to rain or not? And um, you know, as a producer, I can say, yeah, we roll the dice just by being in this industry. Turk already alluded to that. And so really, um, our first job really seems to be education, uh, which is a lot of why we, the software was built. Um, we got to address education. Um, the next step is, and I think Turk can also second this one, is I want some of your time. I know you're busy. I know time is scarce, um, but just in being a producer and being the insurance guy, I've realized um, 
you got to understand what you're buying. I've never been happy with something that I didn't understand. And so that's just, those are probably two of the biggest things we look at um, when we start is, is sit down with us, let us explain it to you. Um, let's see if it's even a viable product for you before we jump off into signing papers and all the other ugly things that you have to do to get a policy. Mm-hmm. Or they may ask, what are these slots for in this cooler? <laughs> they will ask that, and uh, it's great for vaccination. Yeah, uh, we're, we're referencing the cooler they're giving away this evening. It's uh, what, what five star. What were those coolers called? Yeah. I think it's a oh man, five cross. Five cross. Some, yeah, five cross. Like great coolers. Yeah. I kind of want one for myself. Put your vaccine guns in there and, and whatnot. Uh, and uh, I will not be putting my name in the cooler because I would win it because I always win their prizes, so I'm being nice to all the, all the people that are signing up for that. But I will take their cotton gloves. Um, you know, I know, we gotta, I know you want to give it back probably out to the booth and talk, but, uh, you know, Turk, it's always about being able to keep a ranch sustainable. And, you know, when you think about the tools that were available maybe when you were growing up, uh, there wasn't many like this to, to make sure that you had some options to have some forage or some feed uh, during these times of drought. How does this policy help ensure that if your kids want to come back and be a part of that operation, that uh, that sustainability financially is still there? It's not just about today, but it's about planning for 10, 20, 30 years down the road and how one drought or a prolonged drought could impact the financials of a ranch for decades to come. Well, sustainability, you do need to have profitability. And, um, and what is sustainable is being able to have something you need to be able to lean on when times are tough. You know, and, and especially like this insurance policy, I can definitely see. I mean, it, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and And, uh, you know, if you looked at our policy for uh, 2021, I mean, we might have been able to buy another ranch with it. You know, so, you know, if that's one gift I can give my kids saying, hey, just if you're unhappy with something, there's other options out there. And there are good people that help you make good decisions and you just need to find them. And I think we were pretty fortunate to meet here with uh, Jared and Gordon. Jared, any last comments or where folks can go to learn more about uh, all the policies and opportunities you provide via risk management? Yeah, I guess, you know, if I had one piece of advice, it is, uh, as we talk sustainability, which seems to be the word of the week, is uh, I think you got to start thinking outside the box and really looking for resources. Um, Whatever it is, um, it's out there. So I just think you got to open up and see what's out there, take a chance, um, and find somebody that's willing to put time. Uh, I think that's a big one. Um, but if you want to find out more, um, we would love to talk to you. Uh, we'd love to come visit you at your ranch. As Turk can say, we'll pester you and we'll wait at the door. So if you tell us to come, we'll come. Um, and we, we just enjoy seeing operations. And uh, if you would like to, uh, you can go to rainins.com. Um, or if you happen to uh, just see us out driving around, please stop us. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Well, again, it was great actually seeing those numbers and, and, and getting Turk's uh, reaction to, to really seeing what uh, how the policy is going. And, again, we still have uh, a lot of that policy left. And like you said, we, we'd rather pay the whole premium and have 10 inches of rain and, and really have it green out there. But uh, 
you know, that's probably not going to be the case this year, but it's all about just managing those risk tools and uh, having that opportunity to, to keep herds intact and operations going. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, thank, thank you. Lane. All right, friends, I'll do it for this Agriculture Conversation on the Lancast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Lanecast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lanecast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the Lanecast.